Welcome home, Mr. Jones. Why didn't I... Why didn't you sense me as you seem to do others? That's my secret. Why are you here? Because of the center? The cult's spreading all over the world. At first, I thought it might be the communists, but they're having trouble with the cults, too. It's not ideological. There's some kind of psychic force involved. It's affecting people with high susceptibility, getting into their minds. I felt it. Yes, your feelings. How? Let's just say that's my secret. You came here because you want to work together. True? True. Then we'll share our information. I've already collected some. Newspaper clippings. You'll have to do better than that. And one other thing. I'm not sure what you are or where you come from, but my instincts tell me you're to be trusted. Make no mistake, though. I have a $70,000 sliver of radioactive meteor to stop the one from Metropolis. With you, all I need is a penny for a book of matches. This is my co-host, Mike. You know, I, I feel like it's a bad precedent to allow me to have my way sometimes. Because I feel like if I complain enough, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to put a film on here. And for the first time ever, we've got a direct-to-DVD animated film. The 2008 Justice League The New Frontier. And I want to kick things off with a an awesome little story that I came across uh, involving Mark Chiarello, the art director and the editor of DC Comics. I'm not sure at the time or not, but either way, uh, he went to go see Scott Peterson, who was the editor on Batman one morning, and he saw this giant stack of manila envelopes, you know, the peach, the sash, like the tan kind, and he saw one black one at the bottom. Now, these were all like fan submissions because, you know, DC, Marvel, Image, I'm sure they all get submissions from fans like, hey, I want to be a writer, I want to be an artist, here's some concepts. <laughs> and Mark Chiarella decided he was going to do that thing with the, the tablecloth where you pull it real fast and all the silverware and the uh, plates and, and cups are all right there. So he did that with the black envelope that was sitting at the bottom of this pile. And all of the other envelopes went everywhere <laughs> in the room. And Scott Peterson was like, well, you're going to pick all that up. <laughs> Mark said, no, I won't. And he rushed out of the room. <laughs> Still in his hand was that black envelope. He opened it up. And wouldn't you know it, it was a submission by Darwin Cook, and it was a completed completed concept with art and everything for the story Batman Ego. I don't know if you've read that one, but it's mm-hmm. wonderful. I know one person who hasn't, and that's Zack Snyder, because Batman Ego is all about how Batman won't kill people. <laughs> anyway, it's a great short story, and 
Chorello got in contact with Cook and they talked about it and he wanted to get it published and wouldn't you know it, Darwin Cook said he had just taken a job with Bruce Tim over at Warner Animation to do storyboards. And so he's like, as soon as I get done with that, I'd love to come back and publish this. And so that's kind of how Darwin Cook found his way into comic books in DC. And so that's so amazing. Like, thank goodness Mark Trell was such a dick and did that to Scott Peterson's <laughs> <laughs> office. Um, I, I love The New Frontier, uh, the comic book. And then the direct-to-DVD movie is also quite good. I love that you keep mentioning direct to dvd like, <laughs> you can't bring yourself to say film you're still putting it uh i guess on that shelf uh i will admit when you the, the origin of this particular trilogy was you hey uh mike I'm really into comic books right now how about we do one of these like you know straight to video uh animated adaptations and i came back to you and said the only one i'll consider is the new frontier <laughs> yeah I wanted to do Flashpoint because I just gotten a Thomas Wayne statue, and I was like, I'm so excited. Not, not necessarily the best reason to produce a month of podcasts is I have a new <laughs> toy that sits on my desk. But I, I want to say, in fairness to you know what came, uh, I would say before, but this is actually the second one, I believe the the second of this sort of uh, new era of uh, adapting. I would say well regarded comic books to their own singular uh, film as opposed to like a series or something like that. I didn't keep up with them uh, because there are so many at this point, but I remember this being a big deal at the time, at least to me. And I guess, you know, the, the, the people I surrounded myself with, because we were probably where you are now, as far as being really into comics, like from like 2000 to, <laughs> probably 2008 <laughs> this is probably like the end <laughs> of my era <laughs> i'll say final crisis pretty much after final crisis i don't see that as a negative that was like where my kind of stopping point was i kind of got off the train well that was a good point to stop because that's around the time when uh, uh, dc wanted to reboot people and what's funny is that that was kind of their plan to get new readers and i'm one of those <laughs> new readers i've and always I, been i'm one of the ones like all right i'm good now i feel like I, i've had a sumptuous meal it's been a nice decade and i'll, yeah. I'll move on uh, do you remember this... your first comic book are you talking about from as a child anything yeah yeah what's the first thing that got you into these funny books Mm, I don't remember my first. I do remember my my dad, who I've talked about on this this podcast, uh, as being like a closeted Green Lantern guy. <laughs> That's uh, right. Gave me uh, the Man of Steel miniseries in the mid '80s, and I was far too young because I would have been like four or something. So I just thought it was cool. He's giving me a Superman comic, but it was only like years later. I'm like, oh, that was like a, a sort of a landmark. Like, uh, you know, I have beat up copies of it somewhere. But I'm sure if I went back, I, could, I remember the cover. I remember that uh, it was the late 80s Batman stuff, uh, which makes sense with Tim Burton's uh, Batman being advertised. Those were the comics uh, I remember like actually reading and not just looking at, at the pictures. Uh, but as far as what got me back into comics, uh, I'll give a you know, shout out, not that he needs it. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis and his run on Daredevil is probably what, when I really got back in that stuff so the marvel knights era of the early 2000s oh yeah yeah that that's exciting i mean you know it was nice to see uh marvel doing something that's a little more mature i feel like they get uh kind of sl not slammed but 
uh, you always see more of the kid-friendly stuff, and then DC, Vertigo, and Image all have these really violent books. But uh, the Marvel Knight stuff was great. The first issue I ever picked up was in a 50-cent bin, and it was Spawn issue 35, I think. I was in love with Todd McFarlane's work, and this one was the first thing I picked up. And... I don't know, maybe Greg Capullo had already taken over at that point. But either way, and so I don't know if I had ever read uh, an issue front cover to back cover like in an actual floppy format, and I picked it up, and thankfully it was kind of a recap issue, and that's how I got into books. And then now it's it's mostly collected editions, and, and I found New Frontier that way, and the first thing that I noticed about it was the artwork, and, and Darwin Cook's work is so good. Did you think that the animation reflected it i i know you can't take his art i mean unless you have the man drawing every single frame it's gonna be hard to replicate it it's always hard on these uh, animated adaptations to for me at least to capture the mood of the piece even if they're trying their best to mimic the art style i think the more more of a fan you are of um, the original medium. So, if you were a fan of New Frontier or uh, what's the you know the Dark Knight Returns, which is along with Watchmen up there. So, you know they had a two part, um, I guess direct to DVD adaptation, and it can look like the Frank Miller version of Batman, but it's like I watch it and I'm like, yeah, this just doesn't have the same feel to me as as reading it, and not to play that very obvious card of like the book versus the movie cooks i think is the closest you'll ever come to it where you know you started this podcast with the story about his breaking into comics after he worked in the animated field of superheroes and so his art style is something that i think we were already accustomed to as being appropriate in particular for dc animation like that's the look of it um but not until the very end of this film where they basically just, it looks like run a camera over his covers. Like here's a gallery of it. And you're like, man, that is so cool looking. Why does the rest of it not look (laughs) cool? (laughs) And you know, it's, it probably comes down to basic stuff. Like just, you know, the budgetary restrictions of, if this was meant to be a theatrical release with like a Pixar style budget, not with the, you know, the, the Pixar style animation, probably you get closer to it but i don't know i don't know if you ever are really going to fully satisfy the the fans of of darwin cook other than the fact that i reminisce about when this came out and i'm i've got wikipedia up in front of me and it has the date that this came out on dvd and i now i know exactly where i was because on february 26 2008 i went to my local best buy because i wanted to get this as soon as possible and apparently uh i'm remi- i've got it somewhere on a shelf because I went to Best Buy, I got the exclusive with the little Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern figure, like the little oh, miniature. Oh, that's wonderful! <laughs> you know, they, they're still doing that, too. Every release, like, I think Best Buy gets the little figure. So, uh, it, it, and each of them go for, you know, a certain amount of money online. They're, they're quite coveted in the really, that, that little niche field. But that's awesome. I'm glad you got that collector's edition. Boy, you buying physical media. That's exciting. This is 2008 now. Let's, you know, there's, there's a tinge of sadness of me being, I guess, nostalgic for the days when I would get up and want to be at Best Buy at 10 a.m. on yep. February 26th just so I could get this and watch it as soon as possible, as opposed to the Snyder Cut recently. Like, 
being awake at three in the morning when it's posted on the app that I have on my phone. It's a little <laughs> bit of a, you know, it's not as cool as it once was. I don't, I don't think that's probably an understatement, but um, as someone who's a fan of this, I also have to admit that I didn't keep collecting the issues. Um, like you, I was collecting comics at the time. And <laughs> I guess you can put a price tag on anything. Uh, I'm willing to spend, I think the 20 bucks for the collected the the double disc version at Best Buy with a little Green Lantern figure, but I wasn't willing to spend. I think it was six ninety nine, an issue, and I remember thinking like that's far too much for now. You know, it was basically two issues in one. But I was like, what yeah. is this cash grab? This Donald Cook? What's he <laughs> think he's doing to me? I know the trade paperback's gonna be fourteen ninety five, but come on now. So I I bought the first issue. And said, I'll just read this once collected. And I feel some sense of shame that I didn't support an artist who I was like, one of my favorites. I just didn't because I felt like this, actually, when you're getting down to single issues, I felt like this thing reads much better as a collected work than it does oh, you know, reading it, I think, monthly or maybe bi-monthly at the time. Well, that's the problem with floppies in general. I also fell into that trap of, oh, I'll just read it when it's when the story arc is complete. But the problem with that, well, even if you read it as they're coming along... You know, you read issue four of a ten part, and I'm like, by the time the fifth one comes, out, I'm like, what the hell happened in the first four? So because you 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 read you know thirty pages four weeks ago, and so yeah, it doesn't stick with you, and that's why the collected editions uh, are so so much more meaningful and worthwhile, I think, for me now. I wish people could see what I'm looking at behind you and be like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> Is your your wall of hardcovers and absolute editions behind you? Certainly, and, and to the point where you know, like the absolute edition, they're so large, like I can't read them. Like you know, summer fun reading. I have to get on my bed and lay it out and make sure that they stay say, in good condition. Do it's you a have mess. a a standing workstation, a desk where you can lay out like a drafts table to, to read your <laughs> funny books? It's going to get to the point where I'm just collecting the physical copy and reading the digital one on DC Universe app or something. Hey, we've said before on this podcast that, uh, or at least I have, I own the Criterion disc that remains shrink-wrapped, and then I have my precious iTunes copy that's one <laughs> click away on the Apple TV. things that makes this adaptation so exciting and maybe it's because it was the second released uh director dvd adaptation is that the cast is so fantastic i i never knew that i needed neil patrick harris as, as barry allen and kyle mclaughlin as superman so it's, it's really exciting to see and of course Lu lucy lawless as as wonder woman is just Perfect, because I did. You grow up watching Xena Warrior Princess as I did. Were you that kind of nerd? <laughs> I was probably the kind of uh, 
uh, horn dog adolescent that wanted to know the episodes where she made out with another girl. That was probably the only, <laughs> <laughs> the very special episodes of Xena Warrior Princess. That was more my speed, but no, I don't think I ever like. <laughs> I don't think I ever watched it for the story. That's this is a family <laughs> show. How about that? I'll leave it at that. Oh man, I was there every Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. on TBS. That was my jam. And it was all uh, produced by Sam Raimi, so I, I was right there with him. And then, uh, was it David Boreanaz as Hal Jordan? I, I don't watch, I've never seen Bones, and I don't think I've ever seen Angel either. I think that's where he kind of became super popular. But he's great. And I did think about uh, you and your story about your dad and uh, Green Lantern because he is kind of the main, I guess, character. I mean, I know it's a ensemble cast and everybody does get their own, not arc, but moment to shine because Cook, I think, is a good writer and even more so in the comic, obviously, because this is only like 80 minutes, maybe. Uh, I'm looking, I have the... the cover art of the uh the two disc special edition that you know i have somewhere around here and while yes you have the dc universe trinity uh above the title of superman wonder woman and batman um uh, it's clear that cooks you know he he wanted to i guess shine a light on it's hard to say now but if you think back to even 2008 um you know if you had a green lantern t-shirt or flash while well, that would Later, I remember wearing, I think, a Green Lantern shirt, and someone said, "Are you a fan of the Big Bang Theory?" And I'm like, "God damn it!" <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm <am> not. Like, <laughs> but with this film, I had forgotten how much I remembered. Like, okay, yeah, Green Lantern's kind of the main, you know, hero. Maybe the Flash is secondary, but I forgot. Like, Martian Manhunter; those are really kind of the three, yeah, like the, the main guys. And then you you have the the even amongst their their crew of uh, superpowered uh, freaks and all their abilities, they still, even in the film, almost recognize that they're, they're a tier below the Superman, the Wonder Woman, and Batman. Like when they show up, uh, you know, of course, Batman's got to threaten Martian Manhunter. He's got to flex on how much money he has to uh, to cultivate kryptonite. But he's with you. It's like a, a penny box of matches, you punk bitch. And it's Love like, that scene. What the hell, man? Come on. Like You know, it's so easy. I think it's a cliche to have that scene where you're like, okay, we want to show off how knowledgeable and, and resourceful Batman is. But when it's done right and written well, it still stands out. So I give Cook a lot of credit. I, I think it's a great, it is a great scene, but you're right. He does make him feel small. So small, in fact, Martian Manager like crouches down and, and can't even remain in his human form anymore. He's like, oh, the jig is up. Batman sassed me. It's like, dude, you're a shape-shifting alien that could choke him out. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Right. But he doesn't. This isn't the Snyderverse. There's, there's too much optimism in this story. <laughs> okay, that's you know that's something I I went back and forth on as I watched it this this time because I I I'd seen this like a few times like you know before before the MCU like just took over cinema which. Uh, clearly it was just months away with, with Iron Man. We didn't realize it at the time. Uh, I thought I thought we would get to the Avengers, and I'm like, wouldn't that be cool? And then after that's done, you know, that'll die out. This would be like a five year cycle. Like Jesus, and here here we are. This this stuff was like charming, and I'm wondering now, like this particular message, uh, I was a little bit more negative rewatching it this time, but I don't feel like I should have been. Like you know, coming off of the Trump years. 
and this whole like you know we're not democrats or republicans first off i feel like well we're so far from that from like walking hand in hand to go face this uh the alien the center that's uh wanting to to destroy all of humanity but then i have to check myself i'm like well that's also recency bias as far as um and i don't know what any listeners are going through in particular especially coming off covid it's been a horrible uh last year it's been a horrible last five years but then the setting of this with the cuban missile crisis and the cold war and you're like well i mean this unfortunately this stuff is cyclical where it's always like there's always this mistrust and this is always possibly we're on the brink of self-destruction and Maybe in 2008, I was feeling more hopeful than <laughs> where I was like, yes, all right, we're going to get Bush out of office. Uh, you know, Obama's going to come in. Uh, things are going to be great. We're going to right the ship. So I think much like, um, you know, the events of, of humanity on film, even one in a fantastical setting, I also find that maybe my take on Justice League New Frontier is going to be cyclical where it's like, I need to watch this when we're on the cusp of being in a good place because there is no Green Lantern <laughs> on the horizon. There's no there's no Flash or Neil Patrick Harris, who's great here, by the way. I love his Flash yeah. um, coming to save me. So I have to be in a good, good place when I'm watching this. And uh, I don't know if you felt that way. Maybe you took a more like you, you took the message and sort of ran with it. But for me, I felt like I was fighting with the movie just i think because of my own sort of you know where my head's at right now because of the limited darwin cook content it's hard for me to ever feel too bad about anything that i'm watching that that he's done i feel so bad that i haven't even gotten to the commentary that he does for new frontier i'm going to get to that uh but i i found it really striking you have characters like wonder woman saying that she i guess implying that she longs for a time of like world war ii when things were simple good was good bad was bad and it was easy to figure out which one and it does kind of reflect what where we are today where they're we're not sure things aren't as clear-cut as they used to be i i still feel confident but we're just living in a weird time i didn't i don't think i had a negative reaction to it and that's biased because I just love these characters. Like I love, and I remember you're in that world pretty hardcore right now. Yeah. You're like in this, this is, um, you know, you can't be bothered with boyhood. You can't be bothered with real people (laughs) and their problems. (laughs) Will the flash put on the costume? Will he run fast again? (laughs) (laughs) It was, but see that, but it's the, I was really excited. And I go right back to when I first watched this, because I was so used to watching like Wally West on on the justice league tv show and stuff and seeing this like new interpretation and i don't think i was a huge nph fan at the time because oh gosh when was harold and kamar i think it was oh four oh five around there uh, where he all of a sudden came back into uh, being relevant and so it's like i i started to see little things about this film that made me excited and so yeah, I, I don't want to say that I'm ever really negative about this. And, and it, again, you're right. I am very much into the things that I love right now. And right now is is it might be cyclical because there was a time when I was like, all right, I'm tired of comics. I'm back into this. Right now, I don't see. I don't see an <laughs> end can, to it. You, I'm going to speak for your wife. You better not uh, feel that way soon because you were you were invested, my man. Unless unless you just have a, a a purge, I guess, where you could you know you could make a buck or two on some of these. But I think that. I think you can you can get back there, but I I do wonder if this one 
I mean, from any of your reading, have you seen, is this one held in high regard as far as the sort of the DC uh, animated films? Like, because it felt big at the time we mentioned it was, it was a new thing. This was part of the second one out, which I didn't realize that the Superman doomsday was the first of the, like the <clears throat> animated original movie. It's like this. Oh whole yeah. Project. That, that wasn't very good. I don't even think I watched that one. I'm not, of course. I mean, I just said that I can't take cooks, um, you know, this material is inherent optimism. And yet I've never bothered to be like, yeah, I want to watch Superman die. <laughs> that sounds like a fun <laughs> It's just never really grabbed me. Uh, it's not my thing. It, it, this is looked at as one of the better ones. Uh, so much so that it got a commemorative edition. I think it was a 10 years uh, later type thing. It, it was re-released. Uh, got like a steel book uh, release and everything uh, with a new... Uh, special features and new content. So I will say, yes, I think this is very well regarded. Uh, the book obviously is very well liked among fans and creators alike. Uh, it's God, man, I'm so upset that we lost Darwin cook. Uh, he died of cancer um, a few years ago and he was like, what in his like mid fifties, it, it's, it's frustrating. And so that's why uh, maybe this will be, the way it is it's like it's the way that like Heath Ledger's Joker is always is always going to be looked at as kind of the high point of his career even though I don't think it is but I think it will be because as soon as you lose that individual like those performances start to gain more mystique and that's kind of how I feel with Cook like I haven't read his uh noir stuff uh the, the Richard Stark Parker stuff which mm. looks fantastic and there's oh god there's another like absolute edition it's called like I think it's called the martini edition or something but it's like I haven't even looked into that so I'm I'm very thrilled that there is more content for me to get into with Cook uh, a new frontier is is just just fantastic, and and he'll be the first to tell. Well, he would have been the first to tell you that it's it's he's hard to work with, and that's kind of why his work is so good because he he did not want to make any concessions to, so much to the point where uh, you know the scene where he's oh, was it? Martian Manhunter is watching TV and he's learning about the human race from it. They the original scene uh, I feel in the books and in the adaptation was to have Lucille Ball, him turning into Lucille Ball, but they couldn't get the rights. And he was upset because it's Warner Brothers. Why can't you get the rights? <laughs> and he threatened to quit. He's like, I'm not doing any more of this. <laughs> and, you know, he had already written two of uh, two or three of the issues, but he was refused. And so I, I love hearing stuff like that about Darwin Cook. And so e even though this won't be looked at as the best thing or, or whatever, like it's, it's a director DVD thing that'll always be niche, that that mainstream audiences won't. I mean, th these do get released in theaters for you know a weekend like the Fathom Events type stuff. Now, I saw uh, Batman: The Killing Joke in theaters. It was kind of watchable, and <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm glad something like this exists. Uh, even though I'm, you know, I'll always prefer the comic. I think almost always to these direct adaptations because there's always something that's lost along the way. But the it very just reminds opening me. chapter, right? The Suicide Squad issue is lost. Like the island, the, the they're the first to encounter. Yes, uh, yes, you know, the, that is. The dinosaurs. It's referenced, but you do have, yeah. you do have a death scene, <laughs> which I'm sure Cook was like, "God damn it!" The guy jumps in the dinosaur's <laughs> mouth with grenades. <laughs> that's got to be included. <laughs> it was a great scene yeah and you know what i'm glad that they even got him involved because he did 
write a little bit of the script. I think he added some stuff, uh, and he was a creative consultant on it. So I, I'd like to think Wonder Woman and Lois Lane apparently were removed in the initial adaptation of this. I can't oh. imagine removing Wonder Woman. His quote here is, "We might as well just rename this White Guys in the Fifties. Everything <laughs> else is gone." <laughs> That's great. Oh, he's such a character. I'm so now I'm so excited to listen to him uh give his commentary. I'm I'm, I'm so I hope stoked. there's a lot of complaining. That's what I hope. <laughs> Me too. <laughs>